Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to The Impact Code, where we take deep dives into the stories and journeys of impact in the lives of our guests. Today's guest is a great friend of mine. His name is John Foster. John and I met in the same cohort at University of Tennessee in the professional MBA program. Since that time, John has become a really great friend of mine. We talk on a really frequent basis, and he is a wealth of knowledge, especially in regards to marketing. So one of the people that I reach out to regularly when I have questions regarding marketing and anything around data, I will call John because he's, he's one of the best that I know at it and he's always willing to help. John is also a great musician. And so you'll hear us talk a little bit about that in today's episode as well. I'm really excited to be able to share him with you all today. But before we do that, I want to take a brief moment, as always, and just mention Tower Community Bank. Tower brings you today's episode completely free of charge. Tower pays for the marketing for this podcast, for all of the equipment, for the hosting, any expense related to this podcast. Tower is really happy to cover because it allows us and our teams to make new connections out in the community and to better serve our mission, which is to make the communities where we work better places to live, work, and raise a family. And we at Tower see this podcast as a way to do that, as a way to make the world that we live in better better for all of us simply by sharing the stories of people just like you, the listener, making a big difference where they are. If you enjoy today's episode, one of the ways that you can support this podcast is by going to www.towercommunitybank.com and checking us out. Check out the products that we have there, the different types of accounts. And if something interests you, go ahead and open it up. I work at Tower, so of course I'm a little bit biased here, but I do believe in what we're doing here at Tower and that we really are trying hard every single day to revolutionize what it means to be a community bank. So if you like today's episode, check us out. And now, without further ado, my conversation with John Foster. John, welcome to the Impact Code, my friend. Oh, hey, Brett. Welcome. Thank you. So, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, man. I'm excited that you can make this conversation happen and so excited for you to share a little bit about your journey into marketing and how you're making a really big impact there. Oh, man. Thank you. Nate. just a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Good deal, man. <laughs> I, I, the pleasure is mine. Absolutely. So with that said, let's get started. Um, I'd love to just talk about really how you got into marketing, because I think it's a great place to start in your journey is like, um, where did it all begin for you? Uh, yes. Uh, so it's, it's, I mean, it starts a while back, um, where I, back in Charlotte, after I graduated from Davidson, I was working as a supply chain analyst. Uh, it was a great field for this, uh, tape manufacturing company. Um, really was did like, you know, love and diving deep into the data, uh, really saw a future, but it ultimately wasn't what I wanted. Uh, so, mm. uh, in order to get into marketing, I thought the best, you know, route was to kind of, you know, just, leave my job and kind of pursue my dreams. And so I you know, quit one day and started Red Dragon Marketing LLC and you know, kind of hit the ground running and was now just in the world of marketing. <laughs> wow, man, that's a, that's a bold move. So, yeah. so you're, you're kind of in a full-time gig, but you know that something more is out there for you. What was like the, what was the moment when you knew you wanted to switch into marketing? 
Yes, the moment uh, it kind of happened after uh, there was like a mistake happened at work. And it, it was just one of those things that really stressed me out. One of those things, uh, you know, it was like how to put it just, you know, the uh, the bad day, essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where ultimately uh, my manager was able to solve the issue. There was no sweat off of anyone's back. It was a simple accounting measure. We paid a fine. And I was just kind of thinking, like, really, my day to day was not having an impact on anything, really. Uh, I'm just mm. kind of making sure, you know, tape arrives when it needs to arrive. And I wasn't seeing the true value of what I was kind of bringing to the table uh, versus with marketing, knowing that the ability to evoke emotion or to be able to sell a product, you know, being, a, being creative. There's just so much. And knowing that there is some, something out there that I could wake up every morning, be passionate and excited about. I definitely thought I had to take that jump. Yeah, man, that's a, that's a really interesting thing because I think a lot of people feel that, but they stay in a job maybe they don't like, or they don't enjoy, or, you know, maybe it's just not the right fit for them. It's, you know, it's maybe a better fit for someone else, but they end up sticking with it for whatever reason. So it's really cool to see that you like had the courage to kind of bet on yourself in that moment and really take a dive into something new and unknown. Oh yes. It definitely was scary. Uh, like you said, had to say goodbye to disability, had to learn, you know, one, a lot more about marketing. Um, I was a political science major in college. I thought I was going to go to law school where, you know, just understanding, you know, that, you know, people had marketing majors and that was my competition. I had to learn as much as I can, as quickly as I can, because, you know, one bills are coming up, but also, you know, I'm like launching this business. I can't, you know, I have to provide the best for my clients, you know, from the get go. Um, and that's where, you know, just learning how to code, you know, SQL data analysis, pixel placement, you know, et cetera, where, you know, it was just like, you know, back in college all over again. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You already got one degree and now you're, you're trying to learn a whole nother degree <laughs> yeah. on the fly while also having the pressure of like making money doing the thing that you're learning. Yes. Oh, yes. What inspired you to, to get into marketing to begin with? Was this something that you always, since you were a kid, were into? Or is this something that you did a lot of research on and, and figured out? Like, What was that sort of interest that helped you catch your attention? Yeah. Uh, so definitely uh, it's a funny story actually. So, uh, when I left, uh, to start that company, Red Dragon Marketing LLC, uh, the story behind that was, uh, back when I was about seven years old, I was watching my favorite movie, uh, Rush Hour 2 with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Uh, just, you know, right. A great movie, (laughs) a lot of karate, having a blast, you know, I'm just bouncing off the walls, you know, had cereal, uh, you know, just, (laughs) just one of those like perfect days, right. For a kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, but remembering all of a sudden I was just, you know, entranced by the TV with the grand opening of the red dragon casino where just the way Mm -hmm. that he had the marketing, the branding, the, you know, the colors, like, you know, as a seven, like, you know, seven year old, I wanted to be there and it just evoked such an emotion in me where I was like, okay, wow, this is marketing. Like, you know, this is, you know, everything I wanted to do. And like, as you know, growing up and that kind of just stuck with me. So when it came time where it's like, you know, every day waking up, like, you know, what am I passionate about? What do I want to do? Or like, you know, how I use today, uh, that feeling of just knowing like, wow, marketing, that was, you know, kind of it. Um, and so that kind of led to just say, Hey, red dragon marketing LLC. And, you know, we, you know, we went and pursued it. (laughs) That's awesome, man. I love that. I I didn't connect the dots on the red dragon, but that's so clever. Oh oh, yes. It's, uh, it's, it's one of those things, you know, I, you know, I see this every, every day oh, when I wake yeah. up, got the you know, full just, movie poster there. Exactly. It's that reminder, you know, you got to go after it. Yeah. That's, that's really cool, man. I, I can't believe you have the full movie poster there and everything. That's awesome. Oh yes. Oh yes. I absolutely love that. So 
the wake up call, you know, one of the things that always is fascinating to me is we have these moments in life where our priorities are kind of reset. It's interesting that sometimes it's returning to the thing that we were interested in as kids because you didn't choose marketing as a, as a college major, right? Like you drifted away from that at some point. Yeah. But then you return to it. I just find that so fascinating that you came kind of full circle. Yeah, and it's it's kind of interesting as well that you bring that up because I, I went to Davidson College, which was a liberal arts where we didn't have a marketing major. It was just never offered. So I was never mm. never able to kind of really explore, you know, my interests in it where, I, you know, just having that opportunity, I'm sure would have like, you know, like provide a different experience. Uh, but you know, I'm just very fortunate, like you said, to be able to circle back to it, uh, where I was able to kind of, you know, understand everything I learned with like, you know, uh, from being a political science major, you know, data analysis, uh, just can, you know, voter segmentation, just all that and how that relates to marketing, uh, has just been, you know, very, uh, effective as well. So it's been great having a different background to also, you know, change my viewpoint of marketing. I like that. And, mm-hmm. and I think that leads really well into this next question, which is, do you, do you see that as an advantage that you sort of had to learn marketing sort of by hand and, and of your own doing? Do you see that as an advantage or is that something that you feel like you have to compensate for? No, I definitely see this as an advantage uh, just because uh, from my background, uh, it kind of opened my eyes. It allows me to see the different opportunities of marketing where I feel just a traditional marketing uh, you know, uh, marketer would probably kind of ignore. Uh, so like, for instance, uh, you know, going to school, getting our MBA and being able to get a Six Sigma green belt, where this is typically used within, you know, manufacturing and operations to eliminate, uh, you know, errors. But how do we utilize this data, analyze this data for marketing purposes, uh, mm-hmm. where I kind of was able to kind of utilize my supply chain background, even from that tape manufacturing uh, to kind of for my OAP project, right, with synchronizing inventory management with our marketing promotional strategies, uh, where I feel just one of those things where, you know, this importance of supply chain is also missed out uh, just because with marketers we're focusing on impressions ct you know click through rate how do we lower our cpms just different metrics right where having just a different background different understanding will allow allow me to open those different communications uh, ask those different questions and you know provide different data metric points that ultimately you know is able to influence decisions uh, that traditionally marketers just would not even be looking at Yeah, that's really fascinating. And for people listening, so John and I actually met at University of Tennessee. We were in the same (laughs) MBA cohort. Go Vols. Yeah, go Vols. That's right. (laughs) So we spent a lot of time. Hope we don't lose any fans over that one. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we spent a lot of time together, though, over 18 months. And um, so I grew a lot of respect for John just in seeing his work throughout our program. And and we did a ton of group work. And so we were always kind of getting to know each other at that level. But I do find it so fascinating that you're now taking Six Sigma principles and applying them to marketing from a data perspective, because there's, I think a lot of people get into marketing probably more for the creative aspect of it, Mm -hmm. unless they're kind of in marketing data management, um, which is, I think, a different group of people entirely for the most part. Yes. But you're taking almost like a more traditional marketing role and combining that with a Six Sigma approach, how has that changed how you've marketed? Mm -hmm. 
Well, this definitely has changed my approach just in terms of like, you know, how we utilize our data um, and as well as my role as a marketer. It definitely forced me to kind of learn coding to be able to provide uh, that support for our team. And just one, the way I looked in terms of like, you know, how do we make our decisions uh, where mm. beforehand just being able to understand like a marketing calendar and kind of like, you know, allowing it to run versus like, you know, how do we utilize data to make, you know, these improvements? Uh, so for instance, like, you know, we do creative testing, uh, A-B testing with our creatives, right? We mm-hmm. want to be able to understand the best send times, the best hashtags, the best posts, uh, what really drives, like, you know, like, you know, our ideal uh, users, right? And then from there, we utilize these metrics to kind of like outline the strategy, right? So once we, you know, go through this A-B testing, we know which one's the best one. Well, in the future, we no longer have to waste impressions on trying to figure that out. This can outline for like, you know, all, you know, not all clients, since all clients, you know, will have their own, like, you know, special tailored touch, uh, you know, Red Dragon way. Uh, but, <laughs> but just in general, though, right, like, you know, being able to utilize this data to make improvements across, you know, just all the channels. We see this with email drip marketing. We see this uh, with social media marketing, uh, the utilization of AI, right? It's like, how do we create as much content as possible just so we can, like, you know, hit that target audience? Well, this is all, you know, done through algorithms and that's where marketing is starting to translate. Uh, so that's where understanding how Six Sigma, you know, is simply uh, trying to find that formula, find that best formula, find that ideal, you know, client. You're able to break things down into, you know, very, you know, into a formula, that formula for success and be able to make those improvements and tailor it. And that's where I think um, is really the biggest the the big improvement and difference you're no longer you know taking a chance or hoping you know mm-hmm. and waiting to see is is this going to take like you have the data to support it from the beginning yeah that's a really smart approach and a lot i think a lot of people who probably who aren't in marketing probably don't have an a, appreciation for how mm-hmm. much goes into campaign design and <sighs> timing and just the amount of sheer data that you're looking at. Like even just, let's say I'm running like a, like a Facebook ad campaign through meta ad manager, like the amount of data you have at your fingertips, even in that can be really, really overwhelming. Um, do you, so for someone who's just, let's say they've got like a, a home business they're trying to start, they're doing what you did. Yes. Um, where do they start with marketing? Um, where do they start with so much information and like, knowing how to put together a good campaign to help their business succeed. Definitely. I think what really starts is like one, understanding their data, right? Like if you're starting out with a new business, you have this product, like, you know, why, you know, why do you have customers? What is the, what is the selling point? What makes your product stand out? How do you, you know, elaborate on, you know, elaborate on this, right? Through your marketing efforts, marketing campaign. And this is really where like, you know, I say data first, because this is going to outline your keywords, right? This is going to outline, you know, how you write your blog, the SEO optimizations. This is going to outline how people navigate your site uh, for future content, where if you're starting a business and you do not have a great data collection process in place, this is ultimately going to hinder you in the future versus mm-hmm. being able to understand your client from the very beginning, especially as they grow, as you grow, right? Because uh, that's definitely going to be one of the things as you reach into different markets, understanding how you got there, that's going to also kind of influence your marketing and campaign strategy. So, you know, first start leading into the data. But then, of course, you know, the main thing about marketing, you got to have fun with it. It's all about the creativity, right? Yeah. Whereas like, it can't just be mundane. It can't just be, you know, AI generated. Yes, that's cool. But like, you know, everyone's going to be, you know, we're going to see a lot of redundancy, right? 
And so that's where yeah. it goes from the data, right, to that creative aspect where you really got to let your emotions, your spirit really shine through your content. And, you know, why are you trying to con- create, you know, why is this content being created? Because you want to, you know, connect with your ideal audience. And so that's I think those are that those two things in tandem are very important, uh, just like leading into starting a create a campaign. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think of this old Stephen Covey quote, it's from maybe seven habits, um, which is begin with the end in mind. Mm, If you're not really clear on your message, your audience and your why it's going to be really hard for anyone to look at that ad and that piece of collateral and identify with it, which is ultimately what you want. You want people opting out because they're saying that's not for me but you want people also opting in. And I think if those things are unclear, it's really hard for anyone to opt in because they're not sure what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and then it just becomes, you know, wasted ad buy and, you know, yeah. you just out gets given away free money at that point. Yeah. And I've learned, I've learned some of that the hard way through, um, you know, like helping Courtney with her business or things like that along the way where, you know, maybe we threw together an ad before we had some of that stuff really clear and, you know, we'd only spent like 50 bucks at a time or something like that. But still, you know, I think clarifying those things really early on is a great piece of advice for people as they're starting because you can create a message that yes, maybe more people do say no to, but you also have a much more clear target audience than to identify with and to say yes to. Yes. I love that. And I love that quote. I forgot who said it, where it's like, you know, not every customer is your ideal customer. Where it's like, you know, where you want to have like exactly like you said, that target specific message. Yeah. And social media, one of the things that is really interesting about it is that it does change so much. And then on top of that, so not only are algorithms changing all the time, the type of content that's being boosted or that's really feeding into that algorithm machine is, is changing. We also have now the introduction of AI and AI marketing tools, um, which is... Which is really interesting because there's, I feel, so I've played around with this stuff a little bit, John, and it's interesting to me because there's like, there's a certain level of like base content that currently AI does a great job to create. So like some of the things that I've messed around with, I can share here because they're not anything we're actually using right now at the bank. But like, for instance, I'll be like creating um, an FDIC compliant ad for, um, you know, a CD account. And just seeing what it would come up oh, with. Wow. And it wrote, you know, and, and I, I think I said an Instagram ad specifically. So it came up with like a paragraph of stuff. It was FDIC compliant. It did get all of the verbiage and sort of the disclaimers that we'd have to have on there. Uh, correct, if I remember right. So from that perspective, I feel like creating content is probably easier than ever. But I also think that the content that's going to stand out is the human. It's the it's the content that people can resonate with because it it emotionally connects to them. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. Oh, you, I mean, is that something? How are you thinking about AI tools and and using them? Um, and you don't have to share any of your your trade secrets or anything. But how <laughs> are you thinking about these tools as they're starting to come online? No, definitely. Like just as they're coming about, I think like you know, especially from that Six Sigma aspect, right? They're saving time, saving mm-hmm. time and eliminating waste, uh, like you know, from human error. Um, but at the same time, 
like, you know, I, I'm, I'm afraid of the redundancy where we are going to be missing that human connection, the ability to be able to evoke emotion uh, from marketing, where it's like, yeah, a bunch of posts can be made. Um, a bunch of words can like, you know, be, you know, strung together by an algorithm. Right. But once again, I think once we have to understand, like, you know, how do we, you know, evoke that emotion through these posts, uh, which I'm very curious to see AI do. Right. Um, yeah. I, I attributed it to like, you know, almost like this. Right. Um, there's a bunch of books out there, but we all have our favorite authors. Mm-hmm. You know why? That person mm-hmm. had a particular style. He evoked a, like you know particular way for us. Um, until like you know AI gets to that uh, to that ability. Uh, hopefully, you know. I mean, maybe it could be on that way soon, right? Like just it could be. yeah, chat GPT 5.0 could be right? there, man. It's just listening in right now, just adjusting. Like okay, make notes. <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> uh, but until it gets to that point, I think that's where you know we're going to be able to see. Uh, marketers still being able to have that ability uh, where we're just going to have to understand how to utilize these AI tools where it might be able to provide us ideas for us to elaborate on. Or for instance, mm-hmm. right, it can create a marketing strategy that we can like, you know, present. And then once again, you know, if things happen within the market, we have to pivot, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Where I definitely foresee that ability and like just the use of saving time. Uh, it's going to be great. And do I support Like, do I foresee just taking fully over marketing? No, uh, definitely just something that, you know, marketing is just something so special and that, that uh, the ability for a, you know, a corporation to c- connect with a client is just won't be taken away. It's really interesting to look at sort of the artistic effect of. AI and what, so like for instance, um, some of the newer tools that I've played around with, you can actually create visual oh, man. Um, collateral as well, which is, which is really, really interesting. Um, there's one called Jounce. Um, okay. I don't know if that's how you actually say it, but it's J O U N C E. It's still in beta, but you can create visual pieces as well. And what is really bizarre to me is that you can say, you know, create a picture of a family, you know, on the beach, uh, in the style of Van Gogh. And it's going to do that. And it does it in seconds, which first of all is a little disconcerting just to see like how it can piece together those fragmented things into one thing that actually kind of makes sense is yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's, it's a little scary and it's a little disconcerting. The other thing though is like the, I feel like so much of what is really beautiful about art is the struggle to create something great because yes. creating something great is, it's so difficult. And so many of our artists, whether it's author, painter, uh, musician, are literally, I mean, they're tormented because they're trying to like make something great. They've got something in their mind that they're trying to like get out there and they just can't figure it out. And so I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I feel like AI can't really create something that has that story behind it because AI is never going to struggle in the way that humans struggle to create a piece of art. Does that make any sense at all? Definitely. No, it definitely does. Where it's just like, you know, that journey, right. To just a journey to get to that album, to get to that song, everything that leads up to it. Right. We hear it within that artist, uh, like, you know, the lyrics, you know, through the bass, through the music where like, uh, where, you know, even from the medium that they type, they, they use from, you know, from the canvas, you know, doesn't matter what type of art form, right. What that artist, you know, they pour their soul into that. That's just something AI, it just won't be able to replicate. 
uh, where, yeah. you know, what I mean, I could I could look at a, a painting created by AI, but I would like to know, you know, why, you know, what mm-hmm. what was the artist going through? You know what, you know, really kind of like, you know, influence, you know, their style. Right. Um, I There's just those types of questions uh, like that you walk through a museum and just see, you know, just you know, just like you said, that greatness, right. Mm-hmm. Just during that time era where it's like, you know, what was happening during these times that influenced these people, like, you know, collectively, right. The Renaissance era, right. That was just, you know, such a remarkable thing where it's like, this might be a data, like, you know, Renaissance, but in terms of like, you know, for that creation of art and everything, uh, that's just holds so true and so pure, uh, just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I, I, you know, just from one musician to another, right. It's just like, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah, we, we struggle hearing that, that one melody just all the time. Like it's like elevator music, right? Until yeah. we get the pen to paper. And then once we play it for people a bunch of times, like, you know, they still don't understand how important it is to us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, until it's like, you know, that's we're right. able to like fully share. And that's where, you know, that connection, uh, that is just truly remarkable. And, and you know, we'll hold that, you know, always above AI. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I I think like my, the main concern I have is more just like muddying the waters, making it mm. harder to find those things that are real because the amount of content that people can generate so quickly now using AI is <sighs> it's, it's bananas. That's the thing that is like, so even in, um, Oh man, what was I using the other day? Chat Sonic, I think is what this one's called. It's uh, it's similar to Chat GBT, but can do a little more visually. It's got a couple other features. Um, really, really interesting product. So they've got a visual creator and you can just kind of scroll through and see the amount of things that people are creating. And it's just like hundreds of images, you know, every few minutes. See, oh. I mean, the amount is just staggering. And so that, you know, to me is like one of the concerns over time is like, how do we find those good, like hard, uh, created pieces of art that are going to stand the test of time? It may be yeah. more difficult. Maybe not. I don't know. Because I feel like there's always, there's always like, me calling you up and being like, or sending you something on Instagram being like, dude, look at this thing. It's amazing. Right. That's still going to be there. Oh no, definitely. Definitely. And I think, you know, that just leads to like, you know, how to put it, I think just a different, you know, conversation, right. Within like, you know, the smart contracts and like how that is going to be able to, how artists are going to be able to utilize that to kind of like really protect their, you know, their intellectual property. Um, Cause I mean, that's, you're absolutely right. How do we prevent, or, you know, how do we, how do we like wade through all the, like, you know, to find the real, but then also like, you know, how do the artists also still able to, you know, kind of share and like, you know, monetize. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause uh, yeah, that's, you know, it's just going to be one of those things like that we see in the future, just like, you know, like you said, just more content, you know, more different platforms for, you know, this content to be shared on. We, it's, I don't, I don't like to, the thought of muddling, muddling, muddying the waters, but you're absolutely mm-hmm. right. It's going to get to that point. Um, but I think, I think we will have tools though. Uh, over time, I just saw, I think it was someone at Stanford. It may have been somewhere else um, created an app that can actually tell you whether oh. a certain um, uh, paragraph or so it can do both writing and visual. Oh, that's um, perfect. Can tell you whether it's created by AI or humans. See, uh, um, I'll, so I'll, <laughs> I don't know how, but it's interesting to think. Right. Probably using AI. <laughs> yeah, I love that because also just like yeah, those college kids they need they need to earn their degrees. They're like you know what I mean like we need <laughs> yeah for real. They can't be using so those funny to get through med school and law school. Like nah, y'all need, y'all need to be studying. 
Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as you're as you're thinking about these tools at this moment, you're thinking about them as like how do I take repetitive tasks or sort of the menial parts of marketing, mm-hmm. um, creating frameworks or structures for campaigns, things like that. Um, you're thinking of it more in that way. So creating yes. a starting point from there, and then sort of creatively building on top of some of that legwork that's been done by AI. Yes, yes. And that's where just I see the, the, the just the use of where how it saves time, the removal of human error. You can really just have a very, you know, lean operational, you know, marketing tech uh, utilized through AI where that can give you the ability to, you know, do your scheduling. Once again, like, you know, provide like, you know, outlines or creative ideas. Uh, if you're ever in a pinch, right, you can definitely utilize like, you know, their content. Um, but it can just kind of give you that structure. Uh, and then with that structure and that foundation, being able to utilize the data. And once again, like, you know, machine learning, uh, just as like, you know, you build deeper neural networks and you kind of like, you know, grow from there. And it's just, you know, optimizing over time. You know, this is where it just your marketing and your marketing strategy and structure really takes shape. Yeah, I think that's well said, man. So you mentioned this just a second ago, but you're also a musician uh, for the sake of everyone listening. What is it that you play or kind of how are you into music? Yeah, yes. Uh, so I play uh, piano and guitar. Uh, I took uh, about 11 years of piano lessons, classical piano. Uh, so just, you know, just very thankful for that. Love to read uh, music. But right now, I would say uh, focusing on guitar, I picked it up about two years ago, just wanted to learn and just started teaching myself guitar kind of branching out my music theory uh knowledge and just occasionally you'll see me you know playing piano going to a jazz club uh i'm you know once again i'm trying to learn jazz piano as well in my free time just to kind of like you know branch out but just music is just something that's always been dear to me and just a creative outlet for my uh um, I, I would say i almost tried to rap in high school but that just didn't go well so we we won't even go into that story uh <laughs> you have any little demos we can put in the show yeah, notes for people I, I, to I wish, I wish SoundCloud kicked me off for not enough views, just disappointing views. Oh man. Yeah. They're like, no, he's not worth the, the, uh, hundred megabytes of storage or whatever. (laughs) Oh man. I've got some old stuff probably up on SoundCloud. Um, I also use a site called Reverb Nation. There's probably some stuff up still there. I had stuff on like iTunes and, um, I don't think Spotify was around when my stuff was out, but I did have it all up, you know, on iTunes and some of the other resale sites at one point, but it's all, you know, in terms of like the, the sold music is all taken down now at this point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Until so the new it, album drop, right? Until till the new album drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 2026 Yes. Uh, at the rate of free time that I have. Uh, that's, that's awesome. man. so jazz piano is something I have a tremendous amount of respect for. Uh, So classically trained, you know, been playing that way a long time. How is the transition into jazz? Because that's a very improvised form of music. There still is like, you can learn jazz songs as they've been played by others, but there's still a component of improvising as a part of jazz music. So how has that process been transferring from sort of sheet music and reading music to a more improvised art form? Honestly, it's been very difficult. Uh, I would say it's just been one of those things, something to have structure and then to just sit down and look at the keys and be like, okay, where do I start? Where do I go from there? How do I create my rhythm? Um, It was just kind of very interesting. Um, I definitely found myself, you know, falling back into like old melodies that, you know, that were just, you know, kind of like, you know, just, you know, imprinted in my head, right. Mm-hmm. Where I wasn't getting, it, it didn't feel as if I still haven't felt as if I've gotten to the point, um, 
I still don't feel, sorry, I still don't feel as if I've gotten to the point of being able to kind of like, you know, improvise really. Uh, whereas like, you know, I'm listening to the greats. Uh, my biggest favorite one right now is like Duke Ellington, right? Oh, Where it's man. just like, yeah. Amazing. Just, it's just hearing everything he's able to construct just on the fly. And then just to hear him like, you know, play with others. Um, I'm still like, you know, trying to get to that level uh, right now. It's just been mainly, you know, trying to find like, you know, my own style. I think that mm-hmm. was kind of one of the things or another very interesting thing. I'm like, you know, that I've been very you know, fortunate to be able to explore where with classical music, right. You're just given, you know, sheet music. You're going to play it as such, you know, mm-hmm. there, therefore you're trained. Right. Versus yeah. now it's like, you know, who is John as a piano? Like, am I feeling like I want to go funky today or like, you know, are we going to yeah. slow walk the bass? Like, yeah. Right. Like that's where it's just been very interesting to see that kind of transition take over mm-hmm. in my playing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, so I, I don't play jazz piano, but I'm comparing it to, to other things that I've learned that it's really interesting when you're trying to learn anything new, you kind of start out with mimicking, like you find mm. the greats, like a Duke Ellington. And so you're like trying to mimic that for a while. And then you find another great and you're mimicking that person for a while, or maybe both those are happening simultaneously. But then there's this interesting thing that happens where you spend enough time mimicking that you start to become like a like a amalgamation of all these different people that you're emulating and all of a sudden you're your own. Yeah. It's it's really interesting to see that happen. And I'm excited to see that happen with you over time as well. It's just like your style just sort of builds out of all the things that influence you and it becomes more unique just with time. Yes. And Oh man, I just, I, I look forward as well. Like, right. The, just a different, uh, you know, life changes that happen to me. You're right. Mm-hmm. You know, I look, you know, I look forward to getting married, having kids, you know, that's definitely going to influence my music. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. at 4am taking care of yeah. the baby. That's a different <laughs> song. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah. just as well, like you said, just how that's going to grow with life and just, you know, just how my music develops. Uh, I look forward to that where, you know, Hey, you know, you never know. There's an open piano at a bar. Like, you know, I just want to have that ability to, you know, bless the people around me with some tunes. Absolutely, man. I love that. And next time we're at a bar, I expect if it has a piano <laughs> to hear you play a little bit now. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. So let's, let's go back to your story, man. So you, yeah. you create red dragon marketing and you're out there doing your thing. How long were you doing um, your own business with Red Dragon? Yes, I, I did Red Dragon for about a year and a half. Uh, during this time, I was able to work with the Pulmonary Fibrosis Foundation of Charlotte, uh, the ALS Association of Charlotte, and then as well a bus- local business common market. I really had a great time uh, and definitely enjoyed you know working with these clients. But understanding, uh, I had to understand that like you know I want to be able to provide more, uh, and I mm-hmm. really wanted to uh, you know provide the best marketing service for our clients. And in order to do so, I needed to learn more. So I thought this is a great opportunity to go back into the workforce to kind of really understand, you know, businesses uh, to see like, you know, what other marketing skills that you know I can learn and develop to be able to pray, to be able to provide one day in the future. During this time, you know, I was able to have a great time with Red Dragon Marketing, working with uh, the ALS Association and Pulmonary Fibrations Common Market, but definitely want to be able to provide more marketing services and knew I had to grow that knowledge. Uh, so I thought this was the perfect opportunity to go into uh, work with a, a larger company to fully be able to like, you know, grow those marketing skills. And so this was a tech company and my first opportunity to work with like is a software as a service, uh, unique logic and technologies or also known as play attention. 
And mm-hmm. so it was a device that was able to, that was able to treat ADHD by reading the brain waves. And all I simply had to do was wow. be touching the skin. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. It, it was definitely wild. Like coming in and being like, this is the product I get to market. This is awesome. Like <laughs> that is really cool, man. Right. That's uh, really cool. And like, and- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go ahead, man. Oh, I was just going to say, this was just also during that time frame where unfortunately, you know, the rise of the opioid uh, pandemic was uh, rising, where a lot of parents were looking to, you know, how do I treat my kid with ADHD without going straight to pills? Um, yeah. And so this was a great opportunity for myself to as well be able to provide a, you know, insight, uh, especially as I, I also have ADHD, uh, where... Yeah. Uh, right. Where this is a great way to be able to connect with the community and to help the community I'm also a part of. So love, love, play attention. Always a big fan. I love that, man. Can you share what was the biggest lesson that you took out of starting Red Dragon and moving then out of that, you know, a year and a half later? What, what was the big lesson that you took out of that? The big lesson uh, for my, like the big lesson was really like having, like you have to be prepared uh, in order to run a business, in order to provide the best for your clients. Um, you have to be prepared to like, you know, one, be able to withstand like, you know, all the different struggles that you're going to be able to, that you're going to face as a CEO, but also like the emotional aspects as well. Uh, whereas like, you know, you had to understand like the wins, the losses. And uh, just for myself, like, you know, working with the ALS Association of Pulmonary Fibrosis, uh, these were terminal diseases and just understanding like, you know, my efforts, uh, you know, are going and helping uh, just, you know, hoping that we can find a cure where I knew that like, you know, that they needed, you know, more marketing help to mm-hmm. really raise funds. Where Red Dragon Marketing, like, yes, as passionate as I was about marketing, they are, they needed to be in, like, you know, better hands. And so that's mm-hmm. where I had to, like, you know, like, really look down truly to myself. Like, you know, if, like, you know, I got into marketing to really help people. Yes, I was able to make a dent. But in terms of, like, you know, this is where I really needed to kind of, like, you know, broaden my knowledge. Um, and so it was very sad to kind of like walk away. Uh, but I really understood, you know, fully right. Whereas like, you know, when you build a business, um, you know, so many things can happen um, and you, people are going to rely on you. You have to be able to fulfill like, you know, those responsibilities, but also be able to go above and beyond. Um, and so I think mm-hmm. it kind of really taught me and just in terms of like my current roles and everything that I do, uh, I go 120% all the time, no matter what. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things. Like if I'm doing something, I'm doing it. Like it, it's, yeah. there's just no holding back. And it kind of like that really fully taught me uh, because I'm blessed to help those people. But, you know, having to move forward to work for this new company. Right. I still want to help people still want to do marketing. Had it had to go now. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting because one of the themes that I can just see as you're sharing your story is your ability to self-reflect and sort of provide an accurate assessment of where you are and how you're doing and then just pivot and move forward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really respectable thing because I think a lot of us get stuck in a version of ourselves where maybe maybe we are doing the self-reflection and we're not ready to take action yet. Maybe we can't see something. It's maybe a blind spot mm-hmm. or a shadow yes. part of ourselves that we're, we haven't integrated and we're, we're just having trouble seeing it. But you've... I think repeatedly in your story, you kind of are self-reflecting, analyzing your environment and making the next best decision for 
where you are right in that moment. Oh, th- th- thank you. Like for like recognizing, I would say the, one of the things I would say, I was just been, uh, I was taught as a kid was the mindset where it's like, you know, I'm never right. I'm never perfect. There's always, you know, room for improvement of uh, where mm-hmm. this, you know, goes from lifting, right. Where it's like, you can always do one more set or if you can't do one more set, drop the weight so you can push yourself further to do one more set. Right. Uh, where it's just that. kind of that self analyze, uh, self analyzing of, you know, just everything in my life kind of really helps lead my decisions. Um, and I'm just, you know, just quite fortunate, right. That, you know, in these, you know, different environments, uh, that like, you know, my core is just, you know, I just want to help. Uh, whereas yeah. like, as long as that is like, you know, my compass, you know, wherever I pivot to and like, you know, I'm going there with good energy, good spirit, just wanting to help. Um, Hey, it's just going to be a good time. <laughs> I love that, man. That's a, that's a good outlook. So where did the NBA come into all this? So the How NBA, did you wind up at YouTube? <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, man. The NBA came in uh, working at Airflow Healthcare, uh, working on CPAPsupplies.com. Uh, it was just a very, uh, so beforehand, it was cheap CPAPsupplies.com. Um, and it was just one of those things. I'm in this marketing position. Uh, okay, sorry. Let me let me take a step back. Uh, during my yeah. time at Play Attention, it unfortunately came to a close due to COVID, uh, where mm-hmm. just, you know, unfortunately, I had to... Uh, you know, I moved to a different position where I was able to work remote. And this is where Airflow Healthcare and CPAP um, and uh, CheapCPAPsupplies.com. And this is a healthcare company and my first opportunity to work with e-commerce and just the type of data I was seeing and like the the main goal of like, you know, really driving revenue. Uh, and this is that, you know, just kind of sitting there thinking like, oh man, we came from, you know, sitting at a supply, at a desk as a supply chain analyst to, you know, pursuing one's dreams to all of a sudden, you know, now I'm marketing, doing their social media marketing, email marketing, uh, you know, all these products and promotions driving revenues. Like it was almost like a dream come true, right? Like <laughs> from mm-hmm. supply chain analysts to like, oh yeah, John, like you're our marketing coordinator. You got to do all the marketing for this brand. And knowing that like, Hey, I need more knowledge. Like, yeah, I think that's mm-hmm. also another thing. The thirst for knowledge is just so important. Uh, cause yeah. like, once again, I'm never going to be the best. I'm never going to be perfect, but you know, I will be the hardest worker in the room. And so yeah. it was one of those things sitting there knowing that again, this opportunity to like, you know, fulfill my dream as a marketer, I'm not going to let it slip. Let me go get my MBA to fully understand. And that's where I was able to kind of reach out to University of Tennessee, go Vols, and Molly and Brandon (laughs) and just, you know, everyone uh, just like, you know, that kind of led me along the way. Uh, And it was just, you know, very, just very fortunate for that, uh, our Vol family. (laughs) Yeah, I agree, man. There's a good, it's a good program. So if there's anyone out there that is looking for a good MBA program, um, I can wholeheartedly recommend oh, yes. the professional MBA. Uh, they, they call it Promba at yes. UT. It's a, oh, it's yes. a great program. They've got what, seven different MBA programs there. So there's specializations as well. Yep. Um, can't speak to those as much. I'm sure they're phenomenal, but Promba is, is really special, not just for the people that you meet, but also in that um, the program isn't just like, it's not just learning and then sort of regurgitating knowledge. Oh, no. It's um, So it's not like learn, take a test, learn, take a test, learn, take a test. It's really more project-based. So you're getting all the coursework that you would get in other MBAs, of course, and you're being, you are being tested on that knowledge, but it's really more about integrating that knowledge into your role and becoming more effective in your role, which is a really cool approach. And um, I'm someone who has like uh, test anxiety and like, literally like when I would take tests in school, it would just make me nauseous. Like I was just not, not <laughs> yeah. able to like be myself in yeah. a testing environment. 
And this was a great way for me to learn where it was very hands-on. It was very, um, still challenging in a lot of ways. It was just an all around good program. So I have nothing but great things to say. I'm oh. even wearing my as a poli sign major. Yeah. I was all about the papers. <laughs> I did yeah. not like tests. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think as well is like, you know, like you said, it's just the ability to not only get your MBA, but to also be able to like specialize like with the like six Sigma. Uh, whereas like, uh, I'm actually probably going to be going back next year for my black belt. Uh, Are you really man? Yes. Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> That's it. So tell people a little bit about what's involved in, in doing a black belt with Six Sigma, it's a it's a pretty rigorous process. Yes, uh, and so with, with uh, the Six Sigma, the, the different levels uh, you have your yellow belt, white belt, green belt, um, and then black belt, and then your master black belt. Uh, with that black belt, you're able to lead a team of green belt professionals. Uh, oh, sorry, Six Sigma green belt professionals. Mm-hmm. And essentially, when you're a Six Sigma green belt professional, you're able to kind of utilize uh, data and all the Six Sigma tools to be able to eliminate waste and errors. Uh, to drive profitability for a company. Essentially, mm-hmm. to get your black belt, I believe you have to increase uh, the profitability or like eliminate race, uh, the waste by a high percentage. I don't want to, you know, misquote it, but yeah, like, <laughs> I don't know the exact percentage, but you have to. So it's not, again, this is another area where it's not just a test and you study and you pass the test. It's actual boots on the ground in your organization. And if you don't have the amount of impact that you're supposed to have with the product or with the project, you don't get the belt. Correct. And that's where, um, you know, um, you know, not to like, you know, just have people afraid of it. Like, you know, it's definitely a challenge, but it's just one of those things through the program and everything you're learning, you're able to learn the tools uh, to mm-hmm. really, you know, to be successful. And whereas like, yeah, it was right. able to launch and uh, do the, Six Sigma Green Belt project within a company. I look forward to be able to do it with, uh, the, for the Black Belt. Uh, but like you said, it's just uh, is definitely one of those challenges where it's like, yeah, you have to be able to uh, be able to communicate with you know the decision makers and mm-hmm. just to communicate all across all different channels and have be able to show the results. And I think that's just one of those things. Hey, the data talks. The data talks. Yeah, yeah it does, and it's if you can utilize data in that way, you're going to be effective no matter what you're doing in any organization or whether you're doing your own, your own thing. Like that is valuable in every scenario in the professional world. Every oh, yes. One. Oh, yes. So, and, oof. and, and I'm you know, excited for you, man. That's <laughs> going to be, that's going to be a challenge, but I can't wait to see the kind of impact you make with that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Is I look forward to it. And I, you know, hope, I, 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 it might be Saturdays again, but you know, we'll, we'll see if Molly allows me to go to a few of the football games. We'll see. <laughs> I hope so, man. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> so tell me about what your impact that you're hoping to make in the world is. Yes. Um, and I know that's a loaded question, but how do you think about impact for yourself? Oh, yes. I think the, the like when I think about impact, it's just giving back. Uh, I'm just very fortunate to be in the position I am today just because of others before me that have really reached back and like was able to help me. And I just want to be able to reach back and help those as well. Um, you know, just mm-hmm. from countless mentors from countless people that peak, uh, that meet, um, you know, just from the different people from classes. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, just one of those things like, you know, I'm just very like, you know, like you said, like how to put it just truly blessed and you know fortunate by that, uh, where I just want to continue to give back where it could be, you know, through mentoring, through business, through marketing, through like, you know, just conversation, like, you know, lifting anything along those lines, uh, you know, hopefully maybe even write a book one day, like knock on wood. Yeah. Ah, yes. 
That's awesome. And what type of book would you write? Like, it, would this be like a kind of a memoir type book or would this be more focused on a specific thing or are you just going to figure it out when you oh, get no, to no, that oh, point? Oh, no, definitely. Uh, so I would definitely say this book is going to be more so like interview help, uh, just like along my professional career. I've like, you know, gone through a bunch of different interviews, seen mm-hmm. different interview styles, you know, worked with different recruiters where just me to kind of like, you know, catalog, you know, my experience and like provide like, you know, kind of, uh, you know, kind of that, you know, the, uh, more so that, you know, that big brother mentor of, you know, tips almost, you know, if you will, uh, where it's like, you know, definitely see this book, something that I'll be able to just kind of give away to high school, local high school students oh, um, cool, as man. they like, you know, uh, sorry, as they approve, like, you know, approach that job market. Uh, mm-hmm. I just remember my first job at the age of 14 and, you know, we start working and hustling from there where it's like, just being able to kind of, you know, set that foundation, right? Like, you know, how to build a network, you know, connecting on LinkedIn, you know, how do you utilize, you know, old high school, you know, college connections, you know, if, you know, for instance, even if, you know, you didn't go to like, you know, school, right? There's other ways to be able to build that network, connect and go into d- different fields and just really kind of like, you know, help, uh, you know, other young people as they navigate their professional careers. I think that's really powerful. That's a really cool time of life to be able to give back to because there's, there's so much possibility coming out of like high school, mm-hmm. even out of college, right? Yes. Like when you're, whenever it is that you're entering the job market, like it's, it can be so overwhelming because there's unli- almost unlimited options for like <laughs> the direction your life could go. And it feels, it felt like to me at that time, like if I picked the wrong one, I was going to be just like, screwed the rest of my life and be like, why did I make that one decision? (laughs) Uh, You learn later that you can pivot and that things can change and you can really do whatever you want in this life at any time in life. I mean, there's no, there's no timeline, but at that point, I think those things are so valuable because those are the things that are going to help get someone started out on the right path successfully to where they can then make the leaps later that they want to make into whatever it is that they decide to do. Oh yes, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's like, it's funny that you say that. Cause like, yeah, I think that kind of also influenced why I wanted to be a political science major. Cause I thought, Oh, the only way to be successful is, Oh, it had to be a lawyer or a doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. Like those, those were like the two paths that everyone like, you know, were just like seemed to go down um, yeah. or like, you know, whereas like, you know, I want it, I want to be able to give back kind of like that spirit, uh, kind of the courage, you know, that I had to really kind of, you know, chase red dragon. Whereas like, yeah, I had to wait till I was 22 to do it. You know, you can do this like, you know, right now, like don't wait. <laughs> like, and that's, I think the main thing I want to give back where it's like, Hey, you lost this day. Like, you know, seize yeah. carpe diem, right? Like, yeah. Hey, let's, yeah. let's do it. <laughs> yeah. That's powerful, man. And it is, I do think there is something in us, like as we get older, that becomes, unless you practice taking healthy risks very regularly, it's easy Mm -hmm. to get very comfortable in whatever it is that you're doing and to forget the opportunities that you have on a regular basis that are just right in front of you because you, you somewhat, if you allow yourself to, you can somewhat become like numb to like risk or opportunity and not really see it or maybe not see it as an option for yourself, but it's always an option and it's always there. And you can always like, it's never too late to start doing the thing that you want to do in the world. Oh yes. No. Yeah. It's never too late. You know, it just takes, you know, sing, you know, pressing send to send that, like, you know, that message to connect for coffee, you know, scripting that email, just like, Hey, we'd like to learn more. 
I mean, you can use AI now to script that. Oh, email. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's like, you know what I mean? And that's, hey, that's perfect, right? Like, you know, that, that eliminates the time to do that. So that's even, right. even yeah. more reason why uh, uh, to be able to kind of like go through and uh, you're absolutely right. Just, you know I mean? It's just that ability to kind of like pivot, you know, to mm-hmm. chase after one's dreams, like, you know, you know, like, Hey, we're on your podcast, right? Like you also know about chasing dreams and like that success and that feeling, that hard work. Right. Uh, whereas like, you got to take that risk. And I, I believe once people understand, you know, taking a healthy risk, be able, be able to be self-aware, you know, understand your faults, know where your weaknesses, you know, know that you have to get better. Right. Like, mm-hmm. and be able to pivot and improve upon really is like, you know, truly is going to, people are going to see, you know, just different outcomes. Yeah. And I, I think what helps your story be so successful and how I like, it's hard to point it to one thing, but you, you have to have the risk. That's your ability to like take a calculated risk is really, really important and have the courage to do that. But you can't do that without the self-awareness piece. Yeah. Right. Cause yeah. that's what helps you be successful is when you got into red dragon and you're like, you know what, this isn't working the way that I wanted it to. I am making a difference, but I think I can do more but I need another, I need another environment to be able to take myself to that next level. That self-awareness is what made that risk turn out right. Like you could have also like, you know, who knows, hung on another couple of years and maybe it would have gone totally differently and you would have been really unhappy with the yeah. results and really unhappy with the way that that went. I don't think so because you're so self-aware, you probably would have gone on at some point, but <laughs> yeah. I think you have to have both is my point. You got to have the ability to take that risk, but you also have to pair that always with your own self-awareness of yourself, your environment, your real results that you're getting. All of those things really matter. Yes, I, I think you're absolutely right. Because as easy as it would, you know, it would be nice to sugarcoat things and just, you know, always look at the like the wins, right? Uh, but without that self awareness, you know, you're not going to be able to see improvement. And without improvement, you're stagnant. And if you're stagnant, you're losing. And so, that's right. right? So that's, that's right. where. Um, and I think it's it's very important, you know, to make note that like with this self awareness, uh, to have a positive self awareness outlook, because mm. uh, it's very easy to be, you know, very critical of oneself, you know, self critical. Um, you know, I'm, I'm the spokesman of it, but it's like be able to learn as well to like, yes, you know, I can be critical of one myself, but also understand my wins and build upon. I think that kind of leads to be able to help make those calculated risks uh, because mm-hmm. I'm able to kind of build my confidence as well, knowing that I'm making those improvements um, as well to be able to kind of really jump feet first. That's so key, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How we think of ourselves is, is really, really important. And I'm glad you mentioned that yeah. as well. So man, we got uh we got Bonnaroo coming up here in, <laughs> in, uh, in June. I'm pretty excited. We're, we're yeah. both going to Bonnaroo. So we're going to try to, uh, maybe keep each other alive for those yes. four, four or five days uh, because we're also camping it. Yeah. And, and you've been camping before or I've been camping, but I, uh. okay. I say I've been camping, like <laughs> I've been in a camper in the woods or, you know, I've maybe spent like a night or two in a tent. Um, you know, I went with my dad once we, we did a, like a kind of a through hike on the Appalachian trail. I say Appalachian because I lived in East Tennessee and that's how they say it uh, (laughs) there Uh, for everyone else in the country. I think it's Appalachian, um, the Appalachian trail. And, uh, but they say Appalachian. So I did a little bit of camping there. Uh, But this is um, keeping myself alive in a tent while also um, doing all the things that people do at Bonnaroo and having fun 
uh, for four nights is a little bit intimidating to me right now. Oh, definitely. And especially like, you know, I've never been camping before. So this is yeah, like, you're going, you're going into camping with, <laughs> so this is like, Hey, oh, like, no. you know, oh, I have neighbors now. Like, Hey, keep it down. I'm trying to sleep. I'm not much. <laughs> Oh, I'm not that loud neighbor, man. Right. Oh my gosh. Like, like, I hate that guy. Right? He's like, so loud. It's 10 o'clock. It's past my bedtime. Like I can't. Like, oh, no, I'm just kidding. Man. We'll just hope for like some decent weather. Cause yeah. I've heard it can just like the heat is what gets people. Cause you know, you're Tennessee in June on a farm. Like oh. there's just not much, not much break from the heat during the daytime. Yeah. And see, I think for us, our goal is, is like, yeah, we got to stay there the entire time. Cause like if it gets yeah, too dude, bad, we, can, we we're can't. Not up. Yeah. Okay. We're not giving up. I bought that VIP pass so I can get that little water bottle filler. <laughs> perfect. perfect, perfect. <laughs> Did oh, you get man. the, the VIP, the what GA plus? That's what yes, I got. GA plus. Yes. Is that what you got too? Yeah. yeah I was like, you know, air conditioned bathroom. So I had to make that That's- happen. Yeah. You get like, too hot, just hang out in there. Too. Exactly. Hey, that's where the real, the real party, you know, that's where it'd be. The real party happens. <laughs> oh my gosh. Man. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun though. Who are you most excited to see? Do oh, you have man. I really just, just, I really don't have a, the, the, the top performer, right? I just want to see them all. I think that's just so great. Mm-hmm. Just going, you know, from stage to stage to stage. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, it, to be honest, DJ Diesel. I mean, just Shaq. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right? Good like, stuff, man. Odessa's probably the one I'm most excited to see. Oh, yeah. That's going to be so Their good. shows are phenomenal. They're, head, they're headlining a night. Uh, they're going to just... I feel like they're just going to bring so much energy. It's going to be absolutely amazing. They're one of my favorite uh, groups anyways. And so all of their music I listen to on repeat pretty much. And so I am so pumped that they're going to be oh, there. Oh, so yeah, that's that's going to be truly remarkable. Um, and is this your first Bonnaroo experience? First Bonnaroo. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. See, last year was my first Bonnaroo. Uh, but you didn't camp it. Didn't camp it. No, I, I was. Uh, I, I did not brave it. <laughs> uh, was able to see Stevie Nicks, uh, but oh, yeah, yeah, definitely drove home that night. <laughs> How was like, so here's what I'm curious about. How was like the, was it super hot during the day? Or to was be it not like, not too crazy. I can't mean it, that doesn't stand out to me. Like I had a great right, time good. last that year. Like you know what I mean? Because you'd remember it if exactly, it was exactly. No, I do. That does not stand out. I just remember having a great time. Like uh, you know, the shade. They did a very good job. Like you know, with setting up the environment, a lot of water cooling stations, um, a bunch of trees. You know, like with the farm. Um, but I it like although it, like you know it was hot, but like I think they did a great job. Uh, we're like, you know, kind of creating like, you know, those breeze pathways and stuff like that to be, you know, fans. Um, it was, it was, it was chill. It was chill. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. We'll just have to, yeah. I mean, we, d- how hard can it be to stay alive for four days? That's oh, what, definitely you not. Know? You know I mean? Just listening like to music. Yeah, like. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, man, that's going to be fun. We've also got Paige who works here at tower. Oh, yes, um, we've yes. got, uh, my wife, Courtney, we've got uh, a couple other friends that are going. Um, and Mr. Barry Allen said he may even drop in for a oh, day. Um, oh, that's so going to be great. He, he may pop in on like Sunday. Sunday's got quite the lineup. So okay. uh, we'll see if we can get him there. <laughs> too but yeah it's gonna be a ton of fun i'm really excited about bonnaroo uh, this year oh yes that and like you know the food like i look forward to that you know just all the different local vendors and is it know, pretty good oh yeah definitely definitely 
Yeah, okay. he's, he's, All right, man. Well, now I'm excited about the food too. I trust your food judgment. Oh, so definitely. if you're excited about the food, I'm, I'm here for it. Oh yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> are you, you're vegan, right? Uh, no, are no, there no, vegan no. options? No, I, vegan? I, I, I tried that. I went vegan for about like two weeks. Yes. Okay. Two weeks. Yeah. Two yeah. weeks and then modify the plan. Correct. Yeah, dude, I, I would have to, it's so hard to, that's a really complicated way to eat for long term. No, it definitely. Is. And I would say um, I, I, my diet is something I like to play with. Uh, just one of those things you can six sigma your diet, right? Like <laughs> now how do I shorten my meal prep time in the you know, shortest time possible? Uh, uh, I, I got to get a life. I know. Uh, but <laughs> I just do. don't six sigma your relationship with Jen. Oh, yeah. No, my goodness. <laughs> Uh, but uh, essentially like, you know, I've, I've seen like, you know, I tried the, you know, was vegan for two weeks, tried paleo for two weeks, keto for two weeks. Okay. Really, yeah. Trying to see which one I like the most, uh, right now being pescatarian has been my favorite. Um, yeah. It was just I have like, lots of friends who are pescatarian. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great, so there's a, I personally am not, but I've been thinking more and more about it just for the kind of environmental impact reasons and yes. sort of, um, food chain, uh, sustainability, that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's a really good way to eat healthy, but also to sort of protect and help our environment as much as possible. So, um, yeah, I've, I'm, yeah, I may have to talk to you more about that because oh, yeah, I've hey. been thinking about it for a while. Oh, and it's just one of those things as well. Like, you know, you know, cooking just so many different flavor profiles you can explore as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can eat fish all, all day for, you know, at least all two day. weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Well, John, what's next for you, man? What are you excited about in the next year? So you got Six Sigma Black Belt coming up yes. at some point. We got Bonnaroo. What else is coming up? Uh, currently, uh, you know, just really, you know, just kind of deepening my thirst for knowledge. Uh, just one of those things, uh, look, you know, working currently at SRAX, uh, you know, pre- professionally looking forward to just, you know, everything that, wherever that takes me. Uh, you know, let's see traveling, hopefully maybe going to Hawaii, um, at some nice, point. Man. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's just, Hey, c- you know, constantly reading and just trying to really understand the world of marketing. Uh, one of the books I'm reading is actually, you know, uh, understanding the, uh, is it, um, is it like algorithmic marketing and automation. So I'll be getting Ooh. through that, uh, book over the months. So that sounds like a fascinating, but probably dry read. And, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of stories or illustrations probably unless they're like graphic. Right. Uh, no. <laughs> flows. I, I, flows. I might, I might ask AI if they can like, you know, make this into like, you know, a picture book. Yeah. For me. <laughs> Translate this into a children's book, please. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well that's awesome dude it's been so great to connect today oh, you I as really well, enjoyed, man. thank you so uh, much yeah yeah thank you yeah i really appreciate you chatting and sharing so much about your journey and i think it's going to be really helpful for other people who are in the same boat so um my final question for you man is um is this so if someone's kind of just starting out on their mm-hmm. journey and they want to make a difference in the world but they're not quite sure where to start where would you tell them to start hey i will end it with self self-reflection um if you're looking to make an impact on the world definitely analyze your own life and understand you know where has um that impact really been made for you uh like, was mm-hmm. it a teacher was it you know a corporation was it you know just from whatever aspect where has where have those like, you know, major impact points. Um, 
you know, come from. Uh, that would kind of lead you to determine like, you know, how you also want to impact because obviously, right? Like they had an impact on you. They've influenced your life, you know, definitely how you give back in such a manner. You were able to kind of think, able to chew on, process, you really kind of be able to outline, right? Like you can be able to teach in whatever manner, you be able to give back in whatever, whatever manner. Like, um, like, you know, for myself, I always think like, you know, how do I give back? Like I said, like I wouldn't be here without the help of others. So I only want to help others. Uh, and so that's, yeah. you know, just one of those things where every day, how do I help others? Um, and so, yeah. you know, with that self-reflection, you truly can make an impact. And I just wish everyone the best, right. As they go out and, you know, have their impact on this world, you know, this great big planet that we live on, we got to protect it, do the best we can. We do, man. Then that's a great place to wrap the show today. So John, where can people find you if they want to connect, they want to ask you more questions, they want to follow you. Where's a good place? Oh, yes, definitely on LinkedIn, uh, always on there. And, um, I believe that's probably the, the definitely the best, um, my phone is cool. not the best, you know, right now, March Madness, you know, watching the balls, try to go for it all. That's right. Uh, That's right. But always on LinkedIn and, you know, that we can connect and shoot emails and trade contact information. Perfect, man. I'll put that in the show notes so that people can find you again. Thanks for the time today, John. And I look forward to connecting again soon. Oh, yes. Bye. Hey, thank you so much, man. Thank you. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Peace. Bye. And there you have it. My conversation with John Foster. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. John, just wanted to say one final time, man. Thank you so much for making the time to be on the Impact Code and to share your story of impact. I know you're going to continue to do great things in the world. If you are interested as a listener in reaching out to John, I will post his information that he shared in the podcast in the show notes. So you can just click right there to his LinkedIn profile and reach out. If you did enjoy today's episode, one thing that you can do to really help support the show is to give our show a five-star review. It only takes a few seconds and it allows other people to find us much, much easier in the rankings. So if you did enjoy today's episode, please take a quick moment and do that before you close the app. One final reminder that today's show is brought to you completely free by Tower Community Bank. So if you enjoyed today's episode, another way that you can support the show is by heading over to www.towercommunitybank.com and checking us out. I really, truly hope that you are enjoying the impact code and the efforts that we're making here to produce a great podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen in today. And we'll see you back here next time for another episode of The Impact Code. Bye.